0: to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Drohan. Together, we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things.
1: Sometimes you, when you know too much, you can actually hinder yourself. And when you don't and you're naive and you just bowl on in, sometimes that's when you'll get the best results because you just don't know what you don't know. And sometimes, you know, I found because I have a heck of a lot of knowledge now in different areas of what happens to the body and what happens to the mind. And, you know, I sometimes find myself hindering myself because I know too much, if that makes sense.
0: Lisa Tamidi is the epic person's epic person. Whenever I have referenced her to past guests, it has inevitably elicited a response somewhere in the vicinity of awe. Freak of nature. Um, so Not only it's, it's just, it's not only her amazing uh, physical endurance and, and obviously the mental side that comes with it, but I don't know if you've heard her story about her mum, but that is just, uh, oh, it's mind blowing, right? That, that lady is one special lady. That example was from past Doing Epic Stuff guest and founder of the Mind, Body, Brain Performance Institute, Paul Taylor. It would have been easy to have had Lisa just retell any one of her epic feats on this episode. Crossing the Libyan desert by foot whilst avoiding army patrols. Completing over 140 ultramarathons. Rehabilitating her mother from a devastating brain aneurysm to an almost complete recovery, despite advice to the contrary given by multiple medical professionals. But I was compelled to explore the human behind the extraordinary. What follows is a candid discussion with a human doing. Lisa was gracious enough to open up about the challenges of being a multifaceted entrepreneur slash elite sports person, and to delve into some lesser-known adventures in the process. Gate crashing a Basel World exhibition with nothing but a bag of precious power pearls and crazy infectious enthusiasm? Yes! This is an epic episode especially relevant for those considering on making a living from their ideas. Those crazy few willing to take the red pill and journey deep into the vocation void. Let's jump into it, Lisa, because I know you are super busy and from the sounds of it, you've got rehab things going on with your mum today. Is that kind of the the
1: plan of attack? Seven days a week, pretty much. Um, Yeah, she's 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 back to normal and i'll tell that story in the podcast but um but i still work with her every every single day to keep her where she is and keep improving her so yeah so usually from 10 till 3 or 11 till 3 depending on the sunday she gets a bit of extra time with family this morning but that's pretty much Mm. her training time so training and you know sometimes um doing stuff as well but you know just to keep her 'cause you know, she's nearly eighty, so I'm like, you yeah. <laughs> know.
0: It's gonna, it, yeah. It's a constant kind of balance, Plus, I imagine, because the body's slowing down a lot. You want to keep things topped up. You've done all this amazing work to get it to this level. Yeah. And, and I'm not letting go. <laughs> yeah yeah people would think oh now the work's done but it's that maintenance which you kind of almost have to be always on to keep it up there
1: yes and this is the thing i think with older people in general is that they have this mentality you know i'm retired now i don't have to work no you have to work three times as hard as a 20 year old does but to get half the results and Mm -hmm. if you want to keep your vitality and your strength and anti-aging you know then you need to be on it (laughs) you need to work harder you know different but harder in a way and more consistent because you lose it so quickly you know so yeah yeah. the older you get the more you have to work (laughs) right so it's doable
0: it's just effort needs to be increased right like yep. there needs to be more of a commitment to this stuff rather than taking it for granted sort of thing yep. I, yes i feel like I'm, I'm 38 now and i can already feel like you know <laughs> i have to be more conscious about my routine and training or it's easier to, for it to you slip look like right, you're like do. 20 so you're doing
1: something right
0: <laughs> man that's I'm pretty... blessed with the drohan baby face yes if i didn't shave if i didn't yeah if i shaved man I, i'm eternally yeah. baby looking but it's, uh, that's great
1: Hey, don't, yeah. don't, don't, yeah, don't good. knock that. Cause <laughs> yeah. that's a good Benefit. thing. Yeah. That's a real good thing. <laughs> now, Lisa, I'm going to
0: just jump into it. Cause I think,
1: yeah, if, we'll, we'll, have we have it listened to,
0: well, I listened. I to, listened to, to Tiffany's two podcasts. She did with you, Tiffany cook, who obviously referred or put us in contact, which yep. I'm eternally grateful for. And she does. She does a really great job. Like I love the way you guys had a, a good chat about stuff. And she has a very similar style to me, which is just like, let's just oh, have a God. good old yarn. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That's me too. Speciality. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think because she's done such a great job, like she really unpacked with you the. Um, your unassisted crossing of the Libyan desert, which is just, you know, I, I've told like 10 people <laughs> about this already. So I'm kind of like, not I love that story. That's just gnarly. Uh, <laughs> and also going into the detail about your mom and her having this massive stroke that you helped to rehabilitate, really rehabilitate her through, yep. despite. The medical professionals basically saying no 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 this is this is a this is a done deal now there is no help for this woman you basically need to put her into respite and leave her go her way we're, we're yep. washing our hands of her if you will pretty much and you've managed to resurrect her, her lifestyle almost yep. completely which is it's just incredible to me that whole uh yep. thing so i i I'm in two minds. I'm like, oh, should I just go like laser focus on certain elements that I want to know about through like a doing epic stuff lens? Because my whole thing is about this transition of ordinary to extraordinary. I want to get more people finding and following what they're really passionate about. Um, And the problem with you, Lisa, is that you've done so much interesting stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which one do you focus on?
0: (laughs) Yeah, There's so many different things to focus on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start at a high level. Yep. And if we go down a rabbit hole, that's yep, totally that's fine. Cool. If, if, and hey, podcast, if we need
1: two podcasts later on or something, you know, look,
0: we can do that. That would be fine. Yeah, that would be fine. I think us enjoying what we're talking about is more important than sticking to a schedule
1: of, of any kind Absolutely. in terms of the topics. So, they're always my best interviews when they're not structured. You know, when yeah. it, when the when the when the host is just able to just go with the flow, and and it is a good old yarn. I think you get much more out of it with than when it's a structured. Okay, and now I'm going to ask you this. You question know, question
0: seven. I, mean, yeah. I have to go back now because we've skipped away. <laughs> yeah, no, that would do my head into interview yeah. that way as well. So yeah, exactly. uh, you know, it's got to be fun for both of us, and I think that's the way to do it. But I'll I'll start probably. I'm going to start this as an outsider looking in at at your many feats. So, I mean, you've been involved in, or you've participated in, I think it's 140 ultra marathons now. Odd. Yep. Yep. Okay. So you've got that, you've got multiple books you've released now. So you're Mm -hmm. kind of heading towards this, Prolific author kind of status, where you've you've punched out, I think three. You've got three running books. hot, running to extremes, relentless.
1: Yep, that's one. One.
0: Okay, beautiful. <laughs> of which I haven't read any of those yet, but I am keen as a bean to to jump a bit deeper in those myself. Awesome. Um, you also you've branched into this epigenetics coaching, which I'm just like I'm hyper interested in this yeah. kind of ability to tailor training programs to people's physiolo- physiology.
1: Yes, genetics. Traits. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh And also the supplementation of that, like it turns out, there's actually things you can take to to I guess oh, support yeah. uh, your systems for better aging, better performance uh that's super interesting to me yeah yeah. Uh, because that's really that's new medicine i guess you'd say
1: this is stuff that's come along in the last sort of decade yeah the biohacking stuff i'm deep into that (laughs) the world of biohacking and optimizing performance and anti-aging and longevity and you know keeping high performance and yeah definitely so we can touch on all that too because that's the yeah i mean you're obviously
0: i can see just looking across the camera how wicked fit you are at the moment and you've done so many of these physical things you know keeping keeping the train on the tracks I'm sure there's been dips but we'll, oh, we'll yeah. jump into that anyway
1: yeah yeah there's um, been dips don't worry <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still not where I want <laughs> yeah, well, to be You're
0: <laughs> this is one of the other things I want to kind of touch on as well is is I guess this pursuit of perfectionism right which is what a lot of this kind of You need this drive to keep pushing for these things. Where is that coming from? But I guess aside from all of that, just outside of looking in with all these things going on, how are you managing to do all this stuff? Like, how do you find enough hours in the day when the average person is struggling to even, you know, pick up a book outside of work hours or to spend that 15 minutes on a passion project so it gets some love and grows? How have you managed to, not just kind um, of pick up all these things, but successfully execute on them for a sustained, like for a lifetime. How have yeah. you done that?
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's a you know that's something I struggle with every day too. Is is you know constant feeling like you know I, I have my attention going in so many different directions at, at any one time that I do drop the ball regularly. It's like when I said to you, I thought, oh god, I've dropped the ball again. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't have a massive team of people around me which is really what I need, you know, in order to keep yeah. me on the straight and narrow. So so things like administration and appointments and uh, diaries and thousands of messages per day, those are the things that drive me insane and that I don't do well um, at. And <laughs> um, I, you know, I could, I, if I could just, I could spend my life learning science and devouring books and researching and teaching and doing interviews, that would be my, that would be my genius area. And unfortunately I spend so much of my energy in the crap. (laughs) And that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about off camera or off, you Mm. know, podcasts is um, what you do with your digital marketing stuff. Cause uh, Mm -hmm. that's where, you know, I'm I'm working with a few people and stuff, but we just, I don't know, we're not we're not um scaling to the level that I want to scale to. So struggling around with freaking Facebook ads and Google ads and stuff like oh, Africa. Any one of
0: those is is a time vampire, oh. right? Like, yeah. they, like they on face value, it should be easy to get results from these sort of platforms, but the the nuances of them and the I mean, they're built by hyper nerds. So the yeah. workflows, unless you've spent just so much time in them, can and then be. And they change a mess. them
1: every freaking week. So you just like. This is
0: it, right? Yeah. So you got to keep up to date with them. But yeah. so you're doing a lot of, if I'm reading between the lines here, a, your method is just to do shit all do the shit time. All like day. you're just constantly <laughs> doing at yeah. all hours of the day, all hours of the night. The way you've done this, the way you've navigated these various challenges is just to be doing things a yeah. lot
1: and then there's and lacking yeah i I work like a maniac but um i love it it's my passion and you know when i'm in when i'm in my genius zone like doing interviews or researching stuff and reading and learning from great minds and courses and stuff then um i'm on fire and i'm in flow but the, the the shit that drains the life out of me is all the other stuff that You know the daily grind of being an entrepreneur with too many hats on and being spread too thin. Yes. Um, But because I take so much action all the time, I you know I sort of manage to keep my you know nose above water (laughs) most of the time. Um, But I'm not the master of 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 strategy and systems like that is definitely my weakness. Um, So I have a business partner who's much much better at the systems and strategy side of that, and he desperately tries to keep me on track um and he has a hell of a time doing it
0: (laughs) yeah but um what would you what would you like to do the most of 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 the all the things you're involved in writing books and coaching and what's what's your i love primary
1: i love um speaking speaking and interviews and uh anything where i'm teaching you know and that teaching role of you know workshops keynote speeches you know podcast interviews i love hanging out with cool people like yourself and just you know chewing the fat and sharing this with other people the learnings like getting all the learnings that i've you know after a long time on this earth have managed to sort of click together in my little treasure house and giving those to people. That's my genius. And that's the thing that I love. And, um, and the other stuff I'm not good at, you know? Um, So, and I know that, and I know that I need to build a team around me, but you know, it's always a matter of uh, what comes first, uh, the chicken or the egg, as far as resources (laughs) go, you know, (laughs) and I'm still having worked that one out.
0: I mean, you, you are doing so much uh, diverse and interesting stuff that any one of these things could become an overload for the average Joe doing multiple ones at the same time. I can only imagine is, you know, extremely time and labor intensive. So you definitely need some hacks somewhere.
1: I think definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good people. We'll we'll have a
0: chat about that offline and um, try and work out some points that can maybe help to streamline things for you. Cause I think. Even something like, uh, have you have you looked at like virtual assistants to help manage your admin?
1: Yeah, I do have one in the Philippines and I have a team that do my podcast in Vietnam and I have a Facebook guy and ClickFunnels guy in America um, hmm. and a Google, I've just started working with a lady here doing Google, but they're like, everybody's sort of, it's very transactional, you know? Um, yeah. What I need is, uh, well, I do need more help with the, the whole digital side of it and websites and optimising for SEO and all that sort of jazz.
0: Hoo <laughs> Marketing—I call it the marketing dark arts. Yes, it's like, it's like it is. You don't dark quite arts. know what's it's going on there, but it makes things better.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't know why you—you you know, like writing blogs and nothing's happening because you're not hitting the right—you know—that type of thing. I've wasted a lot of time doing doing stuff that didn't. I'm not doing it properly, you know. With all oh, excuse me, um, with the stuff that you, the foundational stuff like SEO, um, yeah. and then coming unstuck with those types of things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. What I probably need is someone actually sitting next to me, and you know, or at least you know, once a week sitting with me for a few hours and just sorting my shit out, you know, like my inbox and my messaging mm. and my calendars and my, uh, you know templated answers and you know all those things that that uh, i just never get around to because you're too busy actually making content and doing you know um and totally. the digital side of it i you know don't feel like i've got the optimal stuff so i would be keen because I was, I was read through your um your bio on um, linkedin i thought wow this guy writes beautifully for starters <laughs> um and and yeah it was making a whole lot of sense like you know how you try and help people be epic like be in the area of genius and how you know and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna talk to you about that because uh, <laughs> yeah maybe you've got maybe there's something we can do together there or you know it's, it's that scaling yeah. thing in, 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 Absolutely. I think, you know, with entrepreneurs and you're, you know, you're building a brand and stuff and you know, you, you're good at this certain areas and you're just really not at the others. And everyone says, like I had Dr. John DiMartini on the show this week and he was like, pay yourself first and um, delegate everything out. And I'm going, well, that's all well and good when you were a doctor and you could scale because you knew your highest value per hour rate but mm. when you're, you know, podcasting, you building a brand, you're not getting paid per hour. Uh, mm-hmm, when you're, you, you mm-hmm. know, like um, things like keynote speaking or whatever is your biggest income, but you can't just turn that tap on and go, hey, well, I'll just do another 10 hours of that. Because <laughs> that's mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, yeah, that's all it's good, not the
0: nature of that sort of business. No, you know, you, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then, yeah, like with COVID coming along, uh, last year that wiped out my main income, which was speaking. Cause you know, that's what I've been doing for basically the last 14 years was my main income was keynote speaking. And of course, conferences just went, <laughs> no yeah, more conferences.
0: Yeah. And, totally um, scuttled basically.
1: T- yeah. Totally like from, you know, six figures of zero. Uh, so mm. then you're like, okay, obstacle, how do I find a way around it? Um, and you know, doing a lot of other businesses and getting into more things and then being even spread even further. And when you're starting businesses, you don't make money at the beginning, (laughs) you know,
0: there has to be a trial and error for these things, right? Like a lot of the things that you're doing, you have to test the waters, adjust, Mm. test, adjust, test, adjust. And it's that process that kind of, you want to find some shortcuts in in what you're doing day to day because you know that you kind of have to go through a lot of that. There is no way to get around that, especially when you are the business and Mm. the brand. Mm. Um, But what I have come to believe very, very strongly in through many different business and sort of personal feats of doing things is having these systems and processes, which are kind of battle tested Yep. so that at any given moment of the day or anything that you're working on, you know exactly where you are and you know exactly what the next step is i think that is the the key to almost anything and with the way that you have in uh, largely wired yourself by just being a doer yeah you do a lot of that system stuff in your head and so the problem becomes when it involves things outside of the world you're controlling so yeah. you can control your self system right if. that's what allows you to be a insane ultra marathon runner is you can control everything about that it's environment. You can do your hit, yeah. training, yeah, yeah. you can allocate the time, you can do nutrition when it comes to things outside of you, which is customers and things like that. And them relying on your, your business or your output, it becomes much, much trickier and your proven like hyper battle tested Lisa system gets really, really challenged because it's not used to having to deal with outside influences yeah. and juggle them. And it yeah. sucks, right? Like, yeah, it it's sucks. not fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. And and it's prioritizing your highest value things. Um, and again, Dr. Demartini was talking about that and I was like, yeah, but like, For me, like my highest value to, if I'm looking at a service point of view to humanity is to teach and to do podcasts and to do keynotes and to do whatever workshops and things like and courses. However, they don't pay per hour. So how do you rate those? You know, I mean, the speaking Mm. does, but as I said, that's limited at the moment. Um, And you're building a brand. And you need to be out there in the world building that brand. But at the same time, you've still got to pay the bills of the people that you've got working with you and all the, you know, the systems that don't, you know. And so it's that juggle act of being able to scale and not just hitting the roof every time because you've got this limited resources and you're doing too much and you're just not having that impact. And I know I'm having a massive impact on lots of lives already, but it's not enough because, you know, I'm a, big thinker <laughs> i i want to be doing epic shit yeah <laughs> yeah yep. the more people the
0: merrier the yeah again, and it.
1: bigger impacts you know so I, rather than you know a few thousand people i want it to be a few hundred thousand people and, and you know i want to you know so you've got big dreams and and you see and you know i, I watch other big uh brand names and things in the space and you're like well, where's the difference you know um, what what are they doing more effectively? And it's it's the team around them that they've got, you know. And it's, it's having a key
0: ingredient, yeah, and in the
1: resources yeah. to get the team in the first place. And mm-hmm. it's that mm-hmm. that piece of the puzzle, of course, is missing, like the, the either the venture capital or the the partners that come on board or whatever. Um, and yeah, that's that's the sort of stage where I'm at, where I'm like, okay, I've got to look further afield than just me and my business partner. Um, sh- shoe strapping this thing you know we've got it to a certain level of shoe strapping it now we need input because you know i am i know that i've got a hell of a lot of stuff that i've done and i need to now use that like i was talking to craig harper the other day and and he was talking about it how he'd managed to jump that scale sort of thing mm-hmm. and he was just saying we was I going with oh you know you're just. Mm-hmm he would have interns that would he would be paying very small amounts to, but they were just epic fans and they would follow him and do whatever he said. And he would, they would then learn their skills through him that way. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. So there's, sure, there's a
0: value think, exchange there because they're, they're tapping exchange. into this. They would have no way to tap into this knowledge base.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I'm thinking that's what I need to be doing, something along that nature. It was a bit easier for him because he was in gyms, so he's got personal trainers that he's coaching up and they can follow him around. A lot of my stuff is, you know, online, and um, so, you know, it's a little bit of a different scenario. But it's, yeah, trying to crack that sort of code and get venture capital or something in behind to get you to the next level so that you can build that team around you instead of doing all the social media yourself as well as trying to build all the... You know the technical stuff, and but anyway, I digress because we're (laughs) getting up. Look, I think it's interesting because people
0: see, uh, uh, they see the Lisa Tamati that's very successful, and you know, from the again from the outside of looking in, prolific author, all these events. But it's good to hear for people that you know, shit sucks for doing people doing epic stuff as well. Like it's like it's it's hard, man. Like there's no if there's no off switch, like you're talking about, we were talking earlier about uh, rehabilitation for your mother. Yeah. Even when you get it to a certain stage, you got to keep maintaining then. So I think it's just about, improving these processes learning adjusting adjusting but i think it's good for people to hear that it is you know really tough for people who are doing
1: successful things yeah and it's not all yeah you know there's a saying new level new devil and that is very true so you look at people Hmm. at a certain level and you think oh they've got it sussed and then you get to that (laughs) level yourself and you realize shit it's a complete chaos here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh there's new problems that you hadn't even thought about when you were this big and then when you're that big there's bigger different more problems and then I'm sure it'll keep going like that and I think um especially in the businesses that are under a million dollars a year um the chaos is complete mm-hmm. you know like it's just scrambling to work shit out and keep up with the play and keep up with the technologies and deliver and retention and all of those sorts of things and i think once you get to above that sort of million dollar mark um i'm guessing because i haven't got there (laughs) and and from what i've learned is there's there's more chance that you've got some systems already in place and you've got a, a core team that can help then really get that exponential growth going you know um and
0: yeah. yeah and it's not just lisa jumping up at 4am trying to respond to an instagram post
1: you hear people <laughs> like yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> hey i messaged you on um this post somewhere and you didn't respond that you know and it's like are you, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me man.
0: do you realize what's going on <laughs> it's over not because <laughs> i'm
1: being snobby i can assure you you know it's just i haven't <laughs> seen that there's like two thousand comments come in since then and that's without yeah. even you know doing yeah. anything it's just being reactive to, yeah. to comments and that's where you know i'm you know letting the not letting the team down because you, you know you only got 24 hours in a day and you're only one person with mm-hmm. one you know amount of time and in my life my mum comes first it in, in you know in 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 every day. So, you know, and I promised her that it was an oath I made to her when she was in a coma and I won't break that for anything, no matter what, you know, so I have to work ways around that. And that, you know, it's just like when you're a parent, I suppose, and you've got certain commitments that that mean you're sort of a little bit stuck sometimes, but um, you know, that's part of it. Have you spent much time or I guess like
0: how clear to you at this point is your purpose or what you're doing, what your North star is.
1: Yeah. I think it definitely keeps evolving and has evolved over the last few years. So we're running was my thing, you know, back in the day, it's no longer my only thing, you know, I still run coach and we coach hundreds of, you know, athletes around the world, but it's, if I'm honest, um, not my only thing anymore. And for me, it's having, how do I help people Um, take ownership of their health be prevent in the preventative space understand that the medical system that we are currently the model that we currently have has has limitations and resources and the way it's set up and that if you just rely on that you're going to come unstuck and so the space that I work in now is helping people to curate information helping connect them to the right people i'm not a doctor i am trained in epigenetics but and so that's my lens that i look through for starters that's the that's my sort of base program that my my business partner and i run um, and we usually put all our athletes or as many as we can depends on money um through that program and then on to higher more the more difficult areas of their particular health journey so I act as like a detective and an investigative reporter, if you like, trying mm-hmm. to work out. So, when people go to the doctor and they've got a stomach ache, something like that, and the doctor just goes, Oh, you've got some heartburn. Oh, we'll just put a proton pump inhibitor into your stomach and you won't have pain in your stomach anymore. Instead of going, Hang on, why has this person got that? What are some of the other underlying causes? Let's do a complete workup of your bloods. So let's look at your genetics. Let's look at different aspects and then making a, a group around, a, you know, root cause what, what's actually causing this. And um, maybe you don't have enough stomach acid, you know, maybe that's, it's too low. So going and putting a, a proton pump inhibitor onto it's just, you know, is just one example here. I see that repeatedly happen, um, what all we're going to do is take make even less stomach acid available, and so that esophagus is never going to shut off, and the heartburn is going to keep going unless you've got that. When actually, I needed to put more acid into the mix, more betaine and uh, enzymes in. And when I if I did a blood test or you know, looked at your pancreatic enzymes and stuff, I'd be able to see that. When they take the proton inhibitors for months, and then they get absorption problems, and they get low protein, then they the stomach starts to have leaky gut syndrome, and so on and so on, and then that leads to autoimmune diseases and bloody you know problems for it's Africa. Downward
0: spiral yeah. of just bad health shit, basically. Yep.
1: But because the doctor has only got ten minutes with you before the next patient comes in, he can't do any of that, and that's not their mm. fault. But that's the way the model is set up. So that's a really good example there. Of uh, here's a band aid that'll stop the heartburn today, and it will, but it won't fix the problem. And it won't, it'll end up if you stay on those things with downstream consequences that he won't have to deal with because then you'll be in another level of problems <laughs> in a year's time. Got it. <laughs>
0: And then yeah, you end up going past the precipe where it's like, oh, now you've only got these limited options to to resolve your health issues. Like you don't want to end up in that category. No, you right? don't
1: want to back yourself into a corner. You know, that's what that's what we're uh, so many people are doing is putting band-aid approaches on things and they're backing themselves slowly into a really bad corner that is gonna take a hell of a lot to get out of, you know, and I know how hard it is to get out of some of them like with mum, you know, at that when she had the aneurysm and the stroke, uh, you know, she was morbidly obese. She was training. I was a focused athlete. I wasn't, you know, Mum was, you know, we were working together and she was going to the gym and she was doing her training. And I was like, well, what else can I do? You know, she was gluten free and I didn't know how to help her. And suddenly this hit us out of the blue. And then only because of this whole journey, have I actually gone, hang on a minute, the genetics, uh, with her, in her case, she should only be eating two to th- two to three times a day maximum, not four to six meals like is often propagated. She should have a mostly vegetarian meal. With her g- particular genetic combination, she shouldn't be eating really after five or six p.m. If I can possibly get her to do that, uh, she should have her exercise in the afternoon. She needs heavy weight training, you know, relative to being a 79-year-old, but she needs heavy heavy weights not lightweight she has a very strong robust body Um, she's never probably going to have problems with osteoporosis and stuff but she is going to have problems with diabetes so I need to keep an eye on her blood sugars and blah 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 blah. you know so that sort of information is now I can optimize her health and her regime and her protocols for her particular body type you know and her health type if you like Um, and it's that stuff that I never knew before because it was it used to be everyone knew you didn't you know Cut out the bad food, i.e., fried food and processed food, and that's about it. You know, that was the sort of level that most people go to. But no, now mm. we can go and say, hey, you should eat bok choy, but don't eat spinach. You know, and you'd be wow. like, wow, oh, it's that. It's, it's that, that epigenetics
0: gives you that much clarity.
1: Yeah, and that's just on wow. the food, and then you go to the things like the um, timings of the day that you should be doing different activities. Like when is your best brain function? What time of the day is you have your most muscle contractility? When is your great, greatest cardiac output? What time of the day have your hormones replacing themselves? Uh, you know, what type of um, dominant hormones do you have in your body? what are your strongest neurotransmitters? Where are you likely to have a predisposition to, you know, in 10 years time, if you're obese and what are the things that you are going to then face? You know, so you can hit all these mm. things off at the pass. And that, right. we never had that information before, you know. It's only in the last few years that this has been available and it's re- refining all the time and getting more this and more. Is so cool.
0: Better. So essentially, I mean, it strikes me straight away that one of the things that, well, the, the big need that you're satisfying there, which I think if you were to ask 10 people about this, nine people would say that they need it, which is I don't really have real clarity about what's going on with my body. Like sometimes I feel tired for no reason. I'm getting bloated stomach. If I go to the doctor and tell them this, they're going to give me a systemized response. Yes. And I never actually find out a what's going on or be yep. a solution to it without just going down this path of, they're going to start giving you antibiotics or pricking you or doing all sorts of really invasive testing. Um, if you keep pushing on them that you feel you have a problem. So I yep. think like the, the, the gluten-free kind of, uh, epidemic that there is at the moment, right? Like everyone's off gluten. Yeah. I'm off gluten at the moment because I yeah. can't resolve some stomach stuff. Yeah, Being able to go to someone who could go, okay, well, I've got a process here which sits alongside the traditional health system exactly. and complements it, but doesn't try to replace it in any way, shape or form. You, you, you're cognizant of the fact that you still need to go to doctors for certain medications, blah, blah, blah. But what I can do is give you the time and the data-led information specifically on your system which will give you these kind of a, a much more in-depth knowledge about you and yep. your health and your yep.
1: indicators exactly which I, like that's it seems amazing like it wouldn't want that yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and <laughs> and you know like even but you know there in biology is extremely complex you know like you have permission to have more than one thing wrong with you and when you have that interplay then it even becomes even more complicated so Maybe it started off as heartburn, as we talked about that example before, but actually there's something going on, a parasitic infection that's causing this, that then then caused that, that then caused this. So Mm. as an investigative, if you you like, uh, sort of like an investigative detective, if you like, you're sometimes having to do this, like with your Facebook ads, hey, we'll try this, and then we'll see how it works, and then we'll tweak it. And that's, Mm. that's what you have to be doing. It's not like you've got a five. I mean, the genetic part of it, yes, we can say this is black and white, what you need, but then there's nuance to that. And that's why that's the gateway program for me. And then there are other things that we may need to go and test for. There are other directions that we may need to build on and we may need to tweak this and add that and, you know, work on this area um, so that you get that, you know, over time, and this is the thing, it's, it's complex, it takes time, it takes money, it takes effort on behalf of the person. And most people want the magic white pill that's going to fix all of their problems in five minutes. Right. We've
0: been conditioned for that, right? And it we're getting more exist. and more conditioned to it.
1: Yes. Like, yeah. And that's where we have a problem. You know, that's that Band-Aid approach that isn't looking at the actual festering wound underneath. You're not seeing it because there's a Band-Aid on top of it, but it's still happening underneath. And so we need to keep an eye on, you know, I'm studying blood chemistry at the moment, and I'm by no means an expert on blood chemistry yet, but the power of just a simple blood chemistry is, 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 is phenomenal. And yet your average doctor will just look at, oh, nothing in the red, good to go. Whereas when you look at the patterns between and the ratios between different blood tests, then you can make a lot more, um, you know, clarification over over what's going on in this person and what they can expect Mm. in the future. And that's not being done. And so that's an area that I'm learning and studying at the moment, which is going to take me a few while because it's very, very complex um i can imagine yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like it's really, like a language like you know it's another yeah, language yep and you're re- yep. recognizing patterns so you're not just looking at a single range for a single blood marker you know i can do that but it's looking at the patterns hey when this is high and this is low and this is high and that's low that means this probably we need to go and do another test in this direction so it's all that sort of you know looking at the more complex picture rather than because I think with um traditional medicine too it's very much been um, siloed you know you you've got the neurologist who looks after the brain and doesn't you know everything above there and then if you've got the cardiologist who's doing the heart and the 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 you know the the lungs and the everything's separate. Um, and this we're not separate. One effect right. just the like other. your
0: business, Lisa. It's yeah. like it's, someone needs the big picture view.
1: Exactly. So I've worked it out on the on the the, the body front, but yeah, not on the business front. <laughs> I know is that yeah, this organ's doing good and that one's just completely packed up. <laughs> <laughs> and the
0: funny thing is, and this
1: this is kind of something
0: that keeps popping up with the more people I speak to and just just different scenarios that people are sort of living and businesses they're running is that you find that more often than not like processes and systems and things like that, that work for even like a corporate environment or a business context can apply really, really well to the individual. There's always this kind of parallel that we like, we might have our, our work in one sphere and keep it separate to the way we live our lives, but the two can really kind of complement each other. And this feels like that that's, sort of thing.
1: Yeah. That's it. You know, in your LinkedIn bio, I was just like, you're going to, I'm going to cross over the personal professional boundary here because the two are not separate. And I was like, damn, yes, that's correct. You know, <laughs> mm,
0: that's mm, so right? like Thinking of them separately is, yeah, is, is, is ridiculous. super counterproductive.
1: Yeah. Right? And the same with sport and business, you know, like, the stuff you learn as an athlete crosses right over into your business, you know, mm. like one for one. <laughs> it's that, it's that clear.
0: One of the things which I think stops people from following their passions or from pursuing something that really interests them is giving themselves a license to try things. And yeah. if they hear that people are really struggling with things that they thought they were just killing it. That then kind of goes okay well maybe the fact that I don't think I'm great at singing doesn't mean that I can't start to sing oh, I'll give it a crack absolutely you know, so
1: Masters aren't yeah. born they are they are molded and sculpted and you know made over many failures and many tweaks and many you know years of, of, of experience and the only way and this is where you know being a person who just does shit <laughs> for the want of a better expression is still, while, yes, I lack in the systems and the processes mm-hmm. part of the, the you know, the, the way my brain works, um, and we can get into the genetics of that. Uh, it, but it's, it's actually, you've got to actually just take action and start somewhere. Nobody started as a, you know, as a master. And yes, you may have more ability than another person or less ability, but that's actually beside the point when it comes to like running and you know doing all these ultra marathons and doing all this crazy stuff. If you look at it in a bio, you would think, wow, this person was just born with these crazy, amazing genetics. And I can tell you that is absolutely not true. You know, I have a very small lung capacity. I'm asthmatic since I was a kid. I broke my back when I was 21. I have a lot of reasons not to be an endurance athlete. I was not the right build. I have the wrong genetics even. Like when I did the epigenetics and studied it, it said, you're a power-based athlete. That'd be really good at high intensity, short, sharp sort of exercises. And what did I do? I ran around the planet three times, <laughs> you know? And like I was just against my genetics, against everything. But I decided I wanted to do that. And so I did it now I have that knowledge to go okay I need to train differently if I want to do that and I probably shouldn't be doing back to back from a health perspective but the stuff I, we, I think sometimes and this has come up a couple of times in my thought process this week sometimes you when you know too much you can actually hinder yourself and when you don't and you're naive and you just bowl on in sometimes that's when you'll get the best results because you just don't know what you don't know. And sometimes, you know, I found because I have a heck of a lot of knowledge now in different areas of what happens to the body and what happens to the mind. And, you know, I sometimes find myself hindering myself because I know too much, if that makes sense. And when I was a naive, uh, uneducated sort of youngster that just bowled on in, you know, like I'll give an example when I was young, I had a I was a, a goldsmith and I exported um power pearls, which are New Zealand's pearls from abalone's to to uh-huh. europe and uh, japan and i just bowled on up with my suitcase of these really rare precious pearls that i'd got um to the biggest trade fair in the world in, in basel in switzerland and you know people paid like a couple hundred thousand dollars for a stand at basel like in it's the most elite of the elite you know we're talking the rolexes and things of this world
0: yeah i bowled up the there big and, euro timepiece event yeah right?
1: amazing like and i just you know with diamonds dripping everywhere and supermodels running around and <laughs> Here, I just bowl on in and say, Hey, and go and knock on all the doors of the pearl handlers and, and companies and say, Hey, I've got my um, these really rare special pearls from New Zealand that half of them had never heard about. And I had no idea. I nearly got chucked out of the fair a couple of times because you're not allowed to do that. So I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but I got picked up by a Japanese company who recognized what these were and knew exactly how precious these were and how rare these were. And this company went hey we're going to invite you to japan and you know we want you to come over we want you to now design a whole collection of designer jewelry pieces and bring and showcase these extremely rare, precious pearls. And I'm like, oh, that's exciting. Okay, off I go. So then at that point, I wasn't a goldsmith. And I just bowled up to the best jewellers in Vienna and said, hey, I'm going to Japan, which is a huge market for them, and, you know, very wealthy market. And I need some jewellery pieces made for free, please, with these special pearls. And, like, uh, I got all these competing jewelers to make this huge collection of very, very special pieces, and I bowled on over to Japan. And then I was talking to them, like, afterwards, after the whole project was done and so on, and they were like, we're n- nobody has ever got all of these competitors in one household for dinner like I had them, you know, and, and working on a project uh, for something. But I because I had no idea, I had no preconceptions of what you could and couldn't do. And I just bowled on in and I had this crazy, amazing adventure for for years that you know ended up being my career for 15 years doing jewelry and uh, ended up getting being a goldsmith and opening my own shops and my own retail outlets in, in Austria. And then then it all fell over and I came back to New Zealand because my marriage fell over and, you know, lost everything and ended up at scratch again, you know, at 38 years old. Um but hell, what an adventure. And I, because I had no idea that I wasn't allowed to do that, and it was the same with ultramarathon running, um, I just – people would tell me, that's impossible. That's physically impossible. You can't go and run, you don't know, 222Ks across the Himalayas or Death Valley or something. And I'd be like, mm, we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> I reckon I can. <laughs> and just bowl on in and do it. You know? Uh, and I've made – same with books, same with documentaries, same with running TV shows, same with, you know, um, doing the podcast is, you know, you just bowl on and you just do shit and then you don't know what the hell you're doing. And then you just learn to swim and then you fall on your face and then you make mistakes and then you learn a little bit more and then you get back up. And that's what life is about for me. You know,
0: there's a real risk with perfectionism that you just don't ever put anything out there, right? You just keep polishing, 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 I mean, I stuffed around with doing epic stuff in my head for probably three years before I even launched a podcast. Wow. Uh, And that was largely because I knew too much, right? Because in the similar (laughs) shoes that you're wearing, I knew so much about digital marketing <laughs> and branding and all this stuff that I was like, well, if I'm going to take it one step, it needs to be the right step. So I'll have to get all these ducks in a row. And of course, trying to do that while you're working full-time in a professional environment is just not possible. So it kind of stalled itself. Yep. And I think you know, getting that attitude to just get things out there, some, yep. what I kind of call ugly babies
1: yes absolutely <laughs> and then
0: get them you know, get, get yep. them to find their feet and start yep. to crawl and your polish as you go along is absolutely the only way to do this
1: stuff. Yep. And, and they say that now even in the digital and the branding world is just minimum viable product. Get it out there. Then, mm-hmm. then see what the actual people actually want and then tweak and learn yep. and grow with the product. And you don't have to have this perfect. And that's why there's, you know, updates every, every week on every app that you've got. And, you know, everybody's tweaking everything all the time. And that is really an important approach to take, you know, just get the stuff out there in some way, shape or form, learn, fall on your face, get back up, you know, try not to hurt anybody. That's the only thing, as long as what you're doing <laughs> yep. is not hurting anybody because you, you do have to look at the risk factors and, you know, make sure that you're not doing something that's immoral, illegal, or whatever the case may be, but fail, you know, mm. short of that, who cares? Just you do know? it
0: just I think you, like they say you're you remembered for the rules you kind of break not the ones you conform to and I think if you can bend a few rules while still saying on the good side of of humanity and helping people yeah, that's important Yeah you know I think that's a really good thing Now Lisa, we're probably short of time for you because I know you've got to roll out and do things today with your mum. That's good. I'm I'm
1: enjoying this immensely. So, you know,
0: (laughs) I won't hold you up too long, though, because I said, look, I commit to an hour and we can have another podcast another time. We'll do it. We'll do a bit of a chat, uh, a separate one if you'd like to. It'd be great to chat to you again. Um, But what I I would like to just touch on before you roll out. um, What makes someone do that many Ultra marathons? Like, what does it feel like to be? Me to running fishes. for, <laughs> Like, how long do you, you're doing it for 15, 20 hours, these events? Is, um, is it that long that you're on the road? 30,
1: 40, 50, 60 hours, it's 80 hours. And, how yeah. much of that is enjoyable? <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> so, so ultra marathons are basically anything over the marathon distance. And these are races that are sometimes, you know, 50 kilometers or 100 Ks or 100 miles or 200 Ks. And they're races that even go right up to riding across continents and they're multi day. So there's different types of races and some are across deserts and mountains and others are on a road with a crew. So there's there's a lot of variety within the, the um, term ultra marathon for starters. When I first started doing this, I was definitely in a phase in my life where I wanted to prove that I was tough and cool because that's how I'd grown up in a family that a dad specifically who was a hard ass and expected a lot. And, and he was a wonderful dad, but he was very tough, you know, and you had to perform and he wanted you to represent New Zealand and be the best at your sport and in your career and in everything. He just wanted the best for us, right? But there was a lot of pressure to be tough and cool. And he'd grown up in a very tough, tough, harsh environment and Um, poverty and um, eight children and no money and you know didn't have a pair of shoes until he was 13 and things like that so he you know expected a lot and wanted us to have everything that he hadn't had the opportunity to have and so he put a lot of pressure on and that created a certain environment and and I and I'm grateful for that environment in a way even though it did cause me uh, you know throughout my young years especially a lot of anguish and heartache but it was wanting to prove that I was tough and that I was, you know, cool and trying to represent my country. for example, and, um, and then failing at it, not being good enough. And so I, I was definitely running away from something. And I, and one of the beautiful things about doing these long distance races is that the mental anguish and the anxieties and the fears that you have all shuts up when you have one goal that you're just running this epically long race or some big adventure you're not thinking about the troubles at home and being depressed because you're just in a fight for survival basically you know Mm -hmm. where am I going to get my next lot of water how am I going to you know my i'm in so much pain i'm in so much fatigue how you know so it's all about you're so preoccupied with survival and getting to the finish line that you all the day-to-day crap that's in your life the anxieties and the troubles and the worries are all gone because you're only focused on that and what that was one of the most beautiful things about these races was that singularity of purpose you knew what you were there to do everything else in your normal day-to-day life was behind you for that period mm-hmm. of time and that was a very cathartic experience. The other thing is that you're, you're, you're finding out what you're capable of. You, you do stuff that really is painful and tough and hard and that you, you know, often you know, sleep deprivation, hallucinations, you know, you could be vomiting on the sidewalk somewhere and you have to get back up and keep moving. You're having problems with your crew, or You you know, all of these things that you learn along the way you know creates a diamond if you like it's you know diamonds are made under pressure as they say and and when you're in this pressure tough hard environment it's like it opens up your horizons when you get through it And you're exhilarated that you've actually done this epic thing that you may be working on for the last two years right and when you come out the other side it's like i can do anything I now realize mm. that I have the capability. <laughs> it's like a superhuman. Yeah, because, <laughs> and, and and then that can backfire because you can think that you are you are bloody bulletproof and you can, I can do anything. And then you fall flat on your face in the next one. And that's a humbling experience. And, you know, you're teaching you how to deal with failure and how to get back up on your feet again. So by living like this, you're just living intensely and you're living full bore and you're, you're learning the whole time. And I wouldn't, you know, there are times and races that I've been through where I've failed spectacularly, and I've been uh, food poisoning, and gone through you know horrific, <laughs> dangerous situations, and I wouldn't want to go through them tomorrow. If you said, "Hey, this is what's going to happen to you tomorrow," I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Here, you know. Um, but having gone through them, I, I I've decided that out of every tough situation in my life, I'm going to turn it into something positive. I'm going to find the gold in amongst the the mud you know and that's something that I've learned from these journeys is that there is always something that you you know even the worst situations that I've been through you know like I lost my dad six months ago and it was one hell journey with him and you know that knocked me on my ass more than anything in my life because he was just so precious to me and you know we we had a a dreadful medical you know situation um and I won't go into the details but even in that chaos and that pain and that grief, there is something developing now that I'm going to help other people so that they're not in that situation that I can, and that will be his legacy, you know, and I'm still working on the stuff that, that, that's come out of there. Um, the same with my mum's journey, you know, with the, the book that I've just written relentless That's a story of bringing her back from massive brain damage at the age of 74 when people are telling me that you just can't do it. Now, I would not wish the last five years on anybody. It's been really, really tough. I've had to sacrifice a heck of a lot to get her back, but I have got her back against all the odds. And now that book is going to help other people, and the story is going to empower other people. And I have people writing to me every day asking for help and guidance and what can I do with my mum, my dad, my brother or whatever Life. the case may be and mm. um that's going to be the legacy of the pain and the suffering that we went through that i can help hopefully um shortcuts on the processes help people point them in the right direction and help them on their journeys so there's always something good that comes out of something bad um, and in mm. having that balanced view so when something good happens to you You've got to look for the downsides because sometimes you can get super excited. Oh my God, this thing's happened to me. And it's all wow. And you get all like really elated. And then only later that you realize, Oh my God, that brought this and that, you know, with it. And it's negative in a way. So you've got to look when the, when the shit hits a fan and it's bad, look for the upsides. When the stuff is super good, look for the downsides, because then you will have a more balanced approach as to how you actually dealing with it so you should never be like too far up or too far down you've got to look Mm -hmm. you know and then when you're going through something like grief like losing my dad of course you're going to be on the you know you're going to be on the floor you know smashed for a while um uh, and you know and i probably will be forever life will never be the same but i can do stuff in his name I can make Mm. sure that the stuff that he experienced, other people don't experience. And there will be a benefit for that for other people. And that will be his way, if you like, of working through me to influence the world still. Um, That's how I picture it in my head so that I can cope with it, if that makes sense.
0: Thank you so much for the time this morning, uh, Lisa. Let's catch up offline and do some cool shit together.
1: Absolutely, mate. Need that. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Cool. See you, mate.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. You can find all the latest happenings on the website doingepicstuff.com or our Instagram, Instagram forward slash doing epic stuff. We out.